Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. On Friday, I was taking my morning walk in our neighborhood, praying and thinking about many things as I normally do. And suddenly as I was, I was walking, I was overcome by contemplate the good news of the gospel. I had a, a sense of how truly good the good news of Jesus Christ is, the gospel. It truly is a joy to consider the grace of Jesus Christ. We Christians, the people of God, should be so full of joy that it overwhelmed me on that walk. It truly is amazing what God has done through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Just contemplate the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And that right there should get us going. What great news. In his death, he has destroyed death. In his resurrection, he has made a way for us to be with him forever. In his coming again, he will make all things right. There's no greater message than that. This is the good news, that Christ Jesus has overcome the world. He has overcome sin and death, and he is making all things new. There's no greater hope than the good news of Jesus Christ. No matter what you compare in this world to the hope of Jesus Christ, everything falls short. So short, not even comparable. So as we consider the things of this world, may we hold fast. As the author of the book of Hebrews writes, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In our reading today from the book of Acts, St. Paul is an example of one holding to this hope, and also being so full of the joy of Jesus Christ because of the power of the gospel. The Apostle Paul traveled throughout the Roman Empire sharing the message of the good news of Jesus. And the second half of the book of Acts tells of his travels all over the Mediterranean world. And of course, our lectionary dives into that during Easter time. He went to Roman colonies, and Greek cities, and he usually found a local synagogue, which is a Jewish place of worship. And it was there that he normally proclaimed the good news. But not every time. In our reading today, he was in the city of Athens. In Paul's day, it was no longer the political powerhouse that it once was due to the Roman Empire's dominance and stature, but it still contained the highest level of culture in classical antiquity. They had the sculptures, the literatures, and of course, the philosophy. Athens was the native home of Socrates and Plato. It was the adopted home of Aristotle, Epicurus, and Zeno. And because of all this prestige, the Romans gave Athens the right to maintain her own institutions and remain free as an allied city with the Roman Empire. And so when, when Paul arrived in Athens, he came into an, an intellectual powerhouse. And yet even here, the gospel of Jesus Christ was valid. The same goes for today. 
All the prestige of our time, all the intellectually elite places of today, even the most technologically advanced places, need the good news of the gospel. And when Paul spoke, he connected with the people. He spoke to where they were at. He found a way to present the gospel. And he found an, an altar there that was dedicated to an unknown God. And Paul used that to connect this to, and the people to the God of Israel. The living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and is the one true God, the creator of all things. And then he connected with them further by quoting two of their poets, the first being Epinonides, if I'm saying that right, the Cretan, who wrote in 600 BC, In thee we live and move and have our being. And then he quotes another poet as well, Aratus, 310 BC, who wrote, for we truly are his offspring. Both poems refer to Zeus in Greek mythology. Now Paul is not making the connection that the Christian God is, is, is just another form of, of Zeus, as if it were some kind of pluralistic uh, hodgepodge. Neither is he saying that we are all God's people in some pantheistic sense. He is referring to the biblical doctrine of creation and that all people are created in the image of God. And from there, he calls on them to change their ways as this true God that Paul professes is calling on people to repent. And then finally, he points to the crux of the hope of our faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says that the assurance to all of us, the promise of God is in the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. He placed emphasis on the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Paul's declaration of Jesus Christ had mixed results for sure. The verses that follow this, they're not in our reading today, but let me tell you the rest of the story. The verses that follow his preaching say this, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, where he was preaching. Also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. Some believed, some did not. But Paul was faithful to share. In like fashion, Paul did what St. Peter wrote about in our second reading today. In the letter of Peter, the saint wrote, Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect or reverence. See, Paul wasn't looking for a fight. He wasn't looking for a quarrel. He didn't go to Athens and post on his social media page, My God is the best and your beliefs are trash. All right? He did, though, boldly declare what we as Christians believe, and he shared the good news of Jesus Christ. St. Peter is said to share our faith with gentleness and respect, something we would all do well to adhere to. We are to proclaim Christ crucified and to point toward the hope of the resurrection. And if, and if we suffer for that, that too is part of our witness, as St. Peter points toward in that letter. Paul was obedient to declare the good news. The joy that we have received in the death and resurrection of Christ is a declaration 
that we continue to share today. And as, as baptized believers, it is part of our baptismal covenant. That is our calling. That is our belief and mission. In the baptismal covenant, we are asked, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? And the response is, perhaps, but as long as it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. No, that's not the, that's not the response. <laughs> no, the response is, I will with God's help. We are to proclaim, joyfully proclaim, the good news of God in Christ Jesus. And this is one of the main points of our gathering today, too. We often think of, of church as the place we gather for worship, and it is that, for sure. We gather on the Lord's Day to glorify God together. But there should be an outcome of this gathering. There should be a, an outflow of us being together this morning. Many of us may, may point toward the prayers as our favorite part, or maybe the singing or the, the community connection we have with each other. Perhaps the readings and declar declaration of God's Word. Still many others because of the sacrament of communion you come. Others for confession and absolution. All of these are important and necessary parts of our gathering of worship. But the primary outcome is still something different than necessarily what we do in here. You see, it actually is wrapped up, shall we say, embodied liturgically in the role the deacon plays in the worship liturgy today, Deacon Mickey. Deacons are not junior priests. They're not assistants to the rector. Deacons are clergy persons as are priests, but their calling and role in the church is very different than the calling and role of a priest. You can read more about these differences in the Book of Common Prayer. But for our purposes today, think about who gets the last words in our liturgy. It is the deacon and then the people. Usually with the words, something like this is said by the deacon. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. And the people respond, thanks be to God. And during Eastertide, we throw in some hallelujahs. <laughs> you see, one of the primary roles of a deacon is to lead the church into the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me, let me just for a moment decode the liturgical dismissal that the deacon gives. The deacon says, All right, church. So now that we have heard the readings of, the, of God's word, we have heard the preaching of the gospel, we have sung praises to God in our songs, we have prayed, we have affirmed our faith with the creed, we have confessed our sins and received absolution, we have eaten the body of our Lord, we have sipped from the cup, receiving the great sacrament. Now that we have been built up and prayed up and strengthened with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit, declaring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Alleluia! Alleluia! People respond, thanks be to God, alleluia, alleluia. And the deacon says, all right, let's go, follow me, 
I know just where the gospel is needed. That is what is said in liturgical form. And that is our lesson for today. So following our reading from the book of Acts where St. Paul preached the good news, following our reading from 1 Peter where St. Peter said to share the good news with gentleness and respect, may we go into this world proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Let the joy of the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit, fill you today so that you can share this good news in the places you go in this world. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.